Hi, everyone. I'm Lori. I am with The Wife Expert, and we have a gentleman coming on today. His name is Nick. He runs a meditation studio. And let, listen, this is the way I found Nick. I love how I meet people. My husband has worked for Penn State. He went to Penn State, and he randomly ran into Nick uh, at a football game, and they started talking about meditation and life and how meditation actually calms the soul get your mind working again, and keeps you on a straight path. And when most of the women come to me, I talk about staying on a straight path, how you are in control of your life and how your husband might have left, things might be going wrong in your life and your relationships, but the first person you need to put an oxygen mask on is yourself. And that starts sometimes with meditation. If you're not meditating and your life is out of control, it's a great way to bring it back. So I also want to encourage you guys, when this is over, Share this with someone you know who might be struggling. Share this with someone who's struggling in their marriage, as well as make sure you subscribe to this channel because you help us grow. That's really important to me. Thank you. I'm almost at a thousand. I'm almost there. So thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting me. Um, okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to let Nick tell you all about how he ended up doing what he's doing, and I'm just excited. Wait, one more thing. Well, I'll tell you when he comes on. Okay, Nick, go ahead. Say hello. Introduce yourself and tell us the name of your studio. Yeah. Hi, my name is Nick Gansitano, and I'm the spiritual director for the Self-Inquiry Center in the State College, Pennsylvania. That's where Penn State is. That's where Penn State is. <laughs> and we also go to, we also have a place in India, uh, Tiruvannamalai, India, where we have programs and we bring people for groups and meditation uh, workshops and that type of thing. And so we've been doing that. I've been doing this now for about 30 years. And Amazing. Okay. So let's talk about how, because you used to work with Joe Paterno. Yeah. How old were you when you first met him? Joe Paterno was the longest coach at Penn State University. He's famous. He's passed away now, but how, how did you come to play there? Well, I, I actually... Um, it came that the Penn State was actually recruiting another field goal kicker uh, in the, against the team that we were playing. And so I just happened to be playing against the, the, someone that they were recruiting. And in that particular game, the player they recruited did not do well, and I had an exceptional game. So the information was relayed to Joe Paterno. And so Penn State had an active recruiting process. They went where they came to get me. And then I want to... When I first met Joe, I didn't even know who Joe Paterno was because I lived in Florida and he was like a god in Pennsylvania. And so they, uh, um, when we were, uh, when I, we played against that team and we, they got those results and they came to visit, Joe came to my school and peeked inside my classroom. And what? He peeked, he peeked inside the door and uh, my, my coach uh, was my teacher. And so he let me go out and talk to Joe. And so that's kind of, that was the beginning of it. And then I won the Brian Piccolo Award, which is a scholar athlete award for the, for the county. And then Joe was the guest speaker. He was the keynote speaker at that. And so that's when we, that's when we really connected and I, and I joined. And then when I went to Penn State and I got to Penn State, they felt like as a field goal kicker, it would be hoove me to learn some relaxation techniques and meditation. So they recommended that I take a class, one that a, a previous field goal kicker had taken that had rave reviews for it. And so 
as soon as I took that class, immediately my entire life changed. You know, I went from being a kind of a, <clears throat> I guess you would say, a, a, your typical college student to being more focused on turning inward. I, I, I enjoyed the stillness, the peace, the bliss, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of being in that meditative state so much that, um, and my, my performance on the field just skyrocketed mm. uh, as soon as I started because I never realized how active my mind was until I actually started to, to meditate. And so after I went to Penn State and I did that and I left and went out into the world, I found out about real meditation, like the, the deeper meditations, the ones that the yogis and swamis and sages and, and you know, Buddhas and that kind of thing, once they, what, what really helps you to get and uncover and unveil the, what are called vasanas. And uh, vasanas are long-held tendencies, conditioned patterns that you carry with you from lifetime to lifetime. And uh, in, 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 uh, they're what basically cause people to keep taking birth over and over again until they're able to work and get clear of these uh, tendencies. These, uh, um, and so... Uh, wait, 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 slow down. This is, this is very curious. So you said life after life. So yes. is this a process? Because I, I like... Everyone knows when I bring someone on, I have questions sure. and I know they're asking them too. So I want to voice them. Absolutely. Tell me what you mean by life after life. So you're telling me that when you go into a meditative place, you could possibly see where you were before. Yeah. Once you get to a certain state, once your, once your meditation gets still enough, you, and you realize your connection with the whole of existence then uh, if you would consider in a Christian context, once you know yourself to be one with God, okay? Mm -hmm. Or uh, once you have that type of insight or that realization, then there's nothing you can't know. Because mm. you, 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 in a sense, you, you have access to the infinite consciousness, which is everywhere and in everything. And so, but, but it, that takes quite a while to, to get to that place. But it was something that had happened one, one day I was, um, I had been practicing meditation for a while and I was, I was a teacher and I had made a lot of money, you know, in business before I went into teaching and coaching. And I, and I decided that I, I couldn't teach what was being taught in school anymore because it was a lie. And what was, was a lie? The science, the, 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 the chemistry and the physics that was being taught in the science classes was, I knew instinctively was not true. That what, was what exactly is that? misinformation, meaning like there's no harmonic element or component to the chemistry toward matter. The understanding of, of the universe mm -hmm. was so radically skewed and distorted that people had no way of actually escaping the bondage that they're in, the psychological bondage that people find themselves in. And so as long as you think that you're a separate individual, Wait, wait, let's talk about that. Psychological sure. bondage, what does that mean? Psychological bondage is the belief that you are a separate individual. Which means what? Which means does... that, okay, so um, like for instance, as long as you are uh, oblivious to the space that's around you, meaning as long as you think you're a separate physical individual body that, that you, uh, you know, and that you are um, uh, bound and controlled by your thoughts and your insecurities and your fears. As long as those exist in your mind, you cannot know the truth. 
of who you are. And so, so every spiritual process, every spiritual path, authentic spiritual path, the primary function is to shed yourself of these vasanas. The vasanas are the long-held patterns or tendencies. They're, they're belief patterns that come with you lifetime after lifetime after lifetime until you've evolved to a point where you no longer are going to be stuck in the dimension, the dimensionality, the physical density that you currently live in, where where you are uh, afraid of things, where you uh, where people lie and they cheat and they steal and they, you know and these types of things they only exist because of fear. And so, as long as you're living in a dualistic reality where you see yourself as being separate and cut off from the ground of being, from from everything and everyone else, then you can never really wake up. What's what's called enlightenment. Wow. Okay. So this is a lot. And so, so almost like if I'm here, you're, you're up here, right? And so most of my girls are way down here, the girls that follow me. So I'm going to try to bring up your, cause you're, you're smart. And if someone's going to even get into meditation, that's way down here, you're way up here. So let's just make that clear. I, I want to understand something. When you talk about someone who might be, you know, let's say a partnership where someone has a partnership with a man or a woman and that other person is lying to them and cheating with to them. What can that person do to move themselves in a way so that that doesn't bother them? Right. That they can live in the space that they share or if they share kids with that person and they live with them, how can they live in a harmonious zone where they're going to be okay? Right. Okay. Using their mind. Now this now this may be a little bit difficult to to grasp at first, but it is the principle. It's the primary root principle of all relationships, uh, in my experience. And I and like I said, I've been doing this for thirty years, and that is to see yourself in the other person. So in other okay. words, wh- whatever you're seeing in the other person is an area in yourself that you have not accepted yet. So let's huh. just say, let's just say that I've, um, I don't know, I, I don't know what the primary um, cheating, word, lying, okay, someone's so lying. Cheat. Okay, so say someone cheats. Okay, so so someone they may um, the key to a relationship first of all is to accept the person exactly the way they are. And so if somebody is cheating on you or somebody is dishonest, there's a good reason why they are. They're not trying to be that no like you know socrates said right that nobody intentionally does wrong it's 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 because they're incapable of doing better if they could do better they would do better they would have they would never choose to intentionally hurt someone or damage the quality of their own life and so i believe that so once we if we can come from a place of compassion which is just to see ourselves in others and 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 now again, this is this is challenging when you're if you haven't been meditating. But as you begin to meditate, as your mind becomes more and more still, you're able to actually recognize that wow, everything is a reflection of me. And so um, so in order to see that now again, this is conceptual at first, but but eventually it becomes something that you have direct insight into and you can recognize. So the way to start off is. In all of your communications with people, most people's objective in communication is to get their point across to the other person so that they can understand what it is that I have to say. Like if they could just 
understand me, then they wouldn't be such a jerk. Okay. <laughs> All right. And so, you know, which is, which is, you know, the problem with that is that that's what's taught in our world. That's what's taught in society. It's what's taught usually by our parents. It's usually what we see in our parents, what we see in our friends or what we see in, you know, movie characters on TV or whatever it is. And so, but, but the real key is to ask questions and listen. If we can become a master of asking questions and listening to what the person says, whether we're intimately involved with them or if we're just a colleague, we, we learn so much more and we gain so much more out of the relationship. And so the, the ears uh, are taking energy in. The mouth is projecting out. And so as long as our mouths are running, we're not learning anything. Yeah, true. We're not, we're not learning anything from them. And it's also making it very difficult to, um, to connect with them because when they speak and, and they're in pain, and they're suffering, or maybe they maybe they were um, unfaithful. Maybe they did something. Maybe because you know, maybe because you know, as people have been together for a while, you know, the, the newness of the relationship where the, the, their partner maybe didn't um, tell them how wonderful they were anymore. They didn't acknowledge their beauty. They didn't acknowledge their their loving attributes as much because you kind of get, you know, it kind of, sometimes it can get stale and old. If, if you're inundated with life, you're saturated with the problems of life. And so, so we begin to focus on those things sometimes. And so, but as long as we can hear them, as long as we can still hear what they have to say, then there's the possibility of the relationship healing. And so, How does that happen? So if you're on the receiving end and you're listening to someone who's cheated on you, talk about how terrible you are, and you're listening to someone tell you how terrible you are, how, who heals and how does that help? Okay. So, and this is kind of, this is where meditation comes in. Okay. Because whenever somebody attacks you, okay, now there's a martial art out there. It's called Aikido. It's very different from a karate class karate class if somebody attacks you you block their attack and then you strike them back and so that escalates the situation to defcon 2 you go to the next level of fight of opposition and fighting and so and then they attack again and then you attack and before you know it you're both fighting and it's not over until someone's either dead or quits okay now mm. now in aikido it's the opposite if someone attacks you you step back and you redirect. If they if they swing at you again, you step back. You don't even block it. You just step aside and redirect it and let the arm, if it's coming this way, you just push it to the side. You don't, you don't even have any resistance because wherever there's resistance, right, there's going to be conflict. And and you're you're never going to heal as long as there's resistance. In fact, there's a saying, the, uh, the man or woman who resists nothing is the most powerful person in the world Hmm. because they cannot be hurt. And when you know, you can never be hurt by someone else. You have unlimited power, unlimited strength, unlimited clarity of insight. 
Okay, so I have I'm I'm leaping to another place because that was great. Because I know someone will say, but wait a minute, because I, you know, I take a lot of calls from women. Sure. That hurt me. He needs to know that hurt me. Yes. How do you take a keto? And I'm spelling that A-K-I-T-O. Uh, uh, A-I-K-I-D-O, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, D-O. Aikido. Mm-hmm. Okay, D-O. How do you how do you decipher? You know, because I talk about labeling, like, oh, when someone hurts you. That's you deciding it hurts you. Is that a choice? I know meditation comes into play here, but I'm just, I'm curious your thought, like what you share with people. Okay, so now there's different stages. Um, and so I, I just want to be clear. There's, there's the highest stage where you acknowledge that, um, first of all, you want to look at the pain. Most people in our society are conditioned to avoid pain. They're, they're conditioned to think pain is not a good thing. They're, uh, you know, and so this makes life a little bit more difficult, particularly, uh, but a warrior, whether you're a spiritual warrior, whether or not you're in a marriage and you have certain intensity in your dynamics between you or not, the, the warrior element of it is to stop resisting pain. In order to have love, you must experience, you must be willing to get hurt. Mm. You cannot have Tell love me more. without getting hurt. This is just, it's a, it's a natural part of the life, the living process. And so anything worth having has some pain associated with it because you can't have good with no bad. You can't have right without wrong. You can't have up without down, dark without light. They exist. This is a dualistic dimension or reality. So if someone, if I get hurt, of course, the natural response is to say, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get back at you. And and that's the natural instinct. It's the animal instinct, but it's not the human. It's not the highest response for human. You know, the idea is to come into a more conscious state of being where you say, okay, I feel the pain. You look at the pain. You sit with the pain, kind of like a cat watching a mouse hole. And you just look at it. You're just observing it. You're not resisting. You're not rejecting it. You, you understand such is the nature of the mind. You can only suffer if your mind is active. If you're not thinking, you can't suffer. Even if you have a broken bone or you got shot, if you pass out or you go to sleep, you don't experience pain or suffering in deep sleep. And that's because your mind is not active. So the key is, can you get to a place where your mind is not active, where you're not thinking about, you're not running all the old tapes in your mind that play, oh, this is what they did. They did this. They should never have done that. Why did I get involved with this person? They're a jerk. You know, I hate all, and all this drama starts going in the mind. But if you say, who's thinking this thought? Forget about what the thought is. It doesn't even matter. Because thinking about the problem doesn't make the problem go away. It doesn't make it better. All it does is it, it, it just escalates. And so you say, who's having this thought? I am. I am. Who am I? And you find out, who is this I? What is this I? And you inquire. And so in this way, it's different from meditation. Meditation is more of like a lullaby. It's more like kind of like calming yourself down a little bit, making yourself more peaceful, but it's not transcendental. The self-inquiry 
you actually look at the one who thinks they have the problem. So when I have a problem, I, if I can find out what this I is and I can get behind this I thought, right, then I can free myself from any problem, whether it's physical, psychological, emotional, whatever it is. And so this requires regular practice. And so that's what I do. This is what the, my, my wife and I do in our center. We help people. We help them to produce the most, um, I guess you would say, the, the, the strongest or the highest level of um, warrior spiritual uh, practice that there is, which is, which is don't get caught up in the drama. Don't get entangled in other people's problems. Don't make what they've done your problem, you know, and now, and then of course, once that person, once you get clear on it and you see what's going on in your mind, who's aware of this? I am, who am I? Now you're focusing on who am I? As soon as you start focusing on who am I, you, you're no longer thinking about what the problem was. You've done a pattern interrupt. You completely changed the flow of your consciousness. And now you're, you've gone into what the real source of the problem is, which is the I, the ego. The ego is what gets upset when somebody does something. It's, it's not the spiritual dimension of your being. It's not the inner, because it's all one consciousness. Everything is connected. It's, it's all the one. And I, I won't go into that here with this, at this level, but at some later point, we can always go into that if you want to and talk a little bit more about how everything is connected and, and so that people can have their own direct insight or experience with that because nobody can conceptually explain that to you. They have to, you have to have your own direct insight which is, you know, so, but, but the idea is, is for you to not resist whatever it is that's happening, to just put your hands down, just, just be with what the person is saying. And if the person's going to, of course, they're going to want to justify and rationalize their point of view. They, they, most people want to be heard. Most people have never been heard. In fact, not their parents didn't listen to them. You know, their, their boyfriends, girlfriends have not listened to them. Their lovers, their spouses haven't listened to them. Their children don't listen to them. So, so who's going to listen to them? Well, that's where you come in. Because if you can be the only, if you can be the one person who cares enough about them to listen, to hear them when they're in pain, especially when they're in pain, then you can transcend then you can go beyond and you can reach those levels of, of uh, relationship, of love, the, the ones that, um, that we only hear, you know, that people only hear about, that they only fantasize about. But it's unrealistic to expect that if you're not willing to go through the difficult times that you're going to attain to the higher levels of love that people fantasize about. Uh, it's because there's no way that two people born out of different genetic pool. They had different parents. They grew up in a different, maybe they were born in a different city or different state, different house, different number of siblings, your environment, maybe different religions. Everything is completely different. So there's no way, it's not, it's not practical to expect that those people are going to see eye to eye on anything. The fact that any two people in the world can even see eye to eye on anything is a miracle. So, so if you can, if you can just say, wow, how can we uh, accept one another exactly the way you are. And my wife, Penelope, and I, are, we attribute our, the success in our relationship that the key is that we accept each other exactly the way we are. No matter what they do, no matter what's going on for them, no matter what 
no matter how angry they may get at something that the other person does, who's upset? I am. Who am I? Okay. I like that. Okay. So I, there was like a thousand times I want to interrupt you to go, wait, what about this? But I wanted to get a train of thought here. Sure. Um, when you talk about the I, because so I, just so everyone knows, um, my husband set up this meeting to meet Nick and his wife and have a little session in their studio. And um, for the first time in my life, I think I fell asleep sitting on a couch with strangers. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, very relaxed. And then I, my son was there too. It was, it was just a really cool experience. But there's so much to learn. And I remember that day when you said, get behind the eye. And, you know, am I getting behind the eye or am I getting behind the eye? Because I know sometimes when people talk about meditation, there's all these levels. So if, can you explain a little bit more about that? Because when you get behind the eye, if the eye is hurt because something is happening, husband is leaving, husband is ignoring the kids, husband uh, doesn't have a job, how can you... Walk me through that because, you know, you said, there goes the flow. Step back and let the flow go by. I understand that. But I, from your level, can you explain that to my listeners? Yes. Okay. So um, thank you, Mark. Um, yeah. So let's backpedal a little bit and let's go back to the, the, the basic root of what is called self-inquiry. So if you could close your eyes and, and just I'll do it. And be completely relaxed wherever you are. Doesn't matter so everyone do this wherever you are. Okay, go ahead. Everyone Close your eyes. Do, everyone yep. can do this. This is the most simple thing. In fact, it's your nature. You were born with this ability. So now it's pitch black. There's no doors. There's no windows. There's no light at all. And you're in this room. It's pitch black. And someone outside the room knocks on the door and they say to you, is my book in there? Now, of course, it's pitch black, so you can't see anything. You can't feel anything. You're just like, well, I don't know. I, I, I can't see anything. And now they say to you, are you in there? Now, mm. even though you can't see anything, you still know that you're there. You know that you exist. You feel I am. I am here. I don't know what I am here. It's it's not my body. It's not my my. But but I exist. Like my my sense of presence, my existence, is here. And to make note of that, just just to just notice that I am that I exist, hmm. and to rest in that knowingness. You're not distracted by anything outside the room. This is your pride. This is the very basic rudimentary meditation of how to realize I am. And for those of you who studied any type of spirituality, Bible included, God's name is I am. Exodus 3.14. And so mm -hmm. this I am, this is what all the spiritual teachers throughout time have been pointing to. This, this presence, this pure awareness of being. It's the empty canvas of your mind before any thoughts enter it. It's the purest, it's the pristine state of consciousness where everything must take place in order to have an experience. 
So if you can backpedal, if you can just use this simple thing we just did, and you can do that regularly, spread throughout the day, every time your mind starts to get crazy busy throughout the day, and you just stop for a moment, you sit in the dark room, say, who's in there? I am. And just feel you are. The mind comes back down to zero. And then as time goes on, it starts to build up again, more active. Stop, pull it back down to zero. And so your mind, instead of just being this one huge, huge mountain of thoughts at the end of the day, just constantly running on, you're going crazy. You you don't lose yourself. You, you see it coming up, you pull it down to zero. Coming up, coming down to zero. It never gets out of control. Your mind never runs away with you to where you become reactionary, where people can't upset you. You become unperturbed in the face of all adversity. Even if you're death, even if you're, you're death, you're facing your death. If you're able to get into this place, you know, and, and, and again, you know, Jesus and Buddha and all the different teachers throughout the history of time, they said, if you understand the truth that I bring, you shall not taste death. And this is it. To get to a place where nothing can disturb you. Nothing can bother you. No one can rile you up. And nobody has that power. And so you, you, but, but you have to train yourself. And this is where what Penelope and I do. That's why we have weekly meditations. It's to remind people because, you know, they come in and they do it for a couple of days or maybe a week or so, and then they kind of get out of it. So we, we just kind of keep bringing them back in and help them make it habitual. Most people are good at developing habits that are destructive and, you know, not good for them. We want to replace that with habit, with a habit that's extremely centering and peaceful for them. Amazing. I have so many questions and I, I, I just want to take this all apart, but we don't have a lot of time. Um, I, okay. So let's talk about, because if somebody hears this and they say, I want to do this, well, how do they, how do they get a hold of you? You want to just tell them where to find your website? Yeah. It's uh, self-inquiry.com. Okay. Just self. And you do, you do individual and then you also do group. Yeah, we do. We do weekly. We have two weekly meetings, uh, meditation groups uh, where they meditate First, there's an orientation, which we teach them the process of it. And then they, um, they can either come in person, uh, you know, or they can zoom in. And the first uh, hour of it, they would be meditating. And of course, the, in the beginning there, you're not going to be expected to meditate straight for one hour if you don't have any experience. You're just going to practice it as much as you can over the course of the first hour. And then you call in on the Zoom line, and then I answer all the questions and answers, kind of like what we're doing right now. But we go in each time, we go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a deeper, and we prepare them, we, you know, prepare them and, and make them ready for it so that as they start to get in touch with the deep-rooted vasanas, the really deep fears, uh, the ones that most people don't really want to face, then we're there with them in order to help them go through it together. In fact, if you meditate with those who really know how to meditate, they can actually, by meditating with them, they can actually help you clear all of your fears and insecurities and limitations just by meditating on the space with you. Because mm-hmm. it's, it, I, I think it's interesting because most of the women that I coach will say to me, I never had an, I, I've never been insecure. I've never had any fears. And now that my husband's had an affair, now that he's walked out the door and left the kids and I, 
I, I, I can't, I'm scared to death. And now I have all these fears. So it's like when something traumatic happens in your life, suddenly you have all these new feelings. And, you know, if that wouldn't have happened, if that person wouldn't have left, or if this thing hadn't happened, those fears wouldn't have shown up. But you're saying because of the repetitiveness of life that they're in there anyway. Oh, it's like an onion. There's just layers of the layers, covering layers, covering layers and layers and layers. And they have no idea how many lifetimes they've been at this. Like, and every one of them is is just piled on top of the other where where they've been born because they, you know, they came into this life in order to get clear on it, to get free of it. So So when it, does it when does it stop? How does it end? It stops when um, okay, look at it this way. Let's just say that you have a necklace, a pearl necklace. And okay. let's let's just say there's billions of pearls on this on this necklace. And each one of those pearls represents a thought or a fear or something that they need to get in touch with. It's accumulate. Most people have no idea how many thoughts they actually have over the course of a day. You have millions. But so let's just say you have this pearl necklace. And so if you go through with a hammer and you try to shatter those pearls one at a time to get rid of them so that you're free of that fear and then you're free of that next fear and then you're free of the next pearl fear, you're free of the next one. If you went through that systematically, it would take you an eternity to do that. Okay. But but if you were to cut the string, all the pearls would fall off. All your fears, all your insecurities would drop away. And the string is just the I thought. So, so if you're able to get hold of the I thought, which is what the self-inquiry is, it's, it's helping people to be able to fix their attention on the I thought so that they can scorch the string. They can burn the string. It, it's, it's kind of like chopping a tree down. If you want to get the whole tree and all the branches, just chop the whole tree down. Don't, don't prune the bush because then it just comes back thick and bushier and you just get more thoughts and more problems and more issues. Mm. You, you, that's why you can never solve the problems of the mind using the mind. that's like that's that's like that's like the thief dressing up like the police chief to catch the thief that's funny he's never going to do it it's because it's not in its best interest the the ego wants to stay in control it wants to think it's in control that's part of the dynamic of the psyche and so you in order to get free of the ego and its tendencies you have to get behind it so that you can watch it it's, it's like shining a flash, a shining a light, a, a floodlight on someone in your front yard trying to rob your house. They, they, they can't do anything because the light's on them. So you have to get your awareness behind it so you can see the mind, so you can see the ego. You can see what it's up to. It's clever tactics to sabotage your relationships, to try to make you oversensitive, to make you, you know, react to things that really just, you know, you, you had no way of controlling. So, you know, and so the key is to strengthen your sense of awareness. And the way you grow awareness is by practicing and yeah. practicing awareness of I. Awareness of the I thought will eventually scorch it. It will dissolve the I thought. How do you know? Okay, so one last question. How do you know if it's I or if it's your ego? How do you know, like, which one it is that you're looking at? Well, you have the, the individualized ego, the sense of individual, like I, me, my mind, that's my stuff. That's You did that to me. I'm going to go to the store. All the, That I is the ego. The ego that, that thinks it's a separate individual cut off from everyone else and, you know, struggling and they're afraid and worried. And then the real I 
which is the underlying I am, the is the, the isness of pure being, there is no sense of separation. Mm. There there is none. But but there but because everything is actually made of the infinite I, even the ego is actually a it's a, a tiny aspect of it, like a pixel in a painting. It's it's just a small, restricted, limited part of yourself that and that's it's the ignorance of who you really are that causes you all your suffering and pain. Once you realize who you really are, you can never suffer. You, everything becomes a joke. It, it becomes funny because you realize that it's all you. It's always been you. But so, okay. So in, so I could talk to you for hours about this because I I feel like every time you say something, there's like 15 questions that go in my head. Do you ever screw up? Like, do you stay in this level or do you ever go, oh, shoot, my ego just took over? It's something that we practice forever, right? No, you, you just, no, once you have the realization, right? Once you realize who you are, you realize that it's all you. Like even even a dog that attacks you or a person that screams at you, you you it's like you're it's like a dream. You you're not you don't react to it because you're just like I mean the body can still have a natural reaction to it just because of the conditioning of the body, but you you're watching your own body react and do what it's doing. You're still the awareness behind it watching. It's like watching a movie where characters are interacting or arguing. You, you're watching the whole thing occur. From yeah. behind, from behind the the drama. Yeah, you, you I, don't you don't have to get entangled. Okay, so many questions. Yeah, okay. I, I so I felt when I met you in person. You're fascinating, but this is thirty years of your studies that we've just taken thirty minutes to ask some questions. So Nick, I'm gonna let this be on the internet and see what people have to say, and we'll have to chat again about something deeper. And if you guys want to reach out to him, you know how to find him. And Nick, I thank you so much. This You're this welcome. means a lot, and I know so many people will appreciate hearing this. Oh, um, and Lori, I'm supposed to tell you this stuff. is this book will also help people. Yes, people is that your book? People. Yeah, this is now. This did is you write of, that? Yeah, yeah. You now, wrote that. I have that. I got that for Christmas from my husband. Okay. Yeah. Now there's two. There's one. There's the anonymous version, which was the original version. We submitted it anonymously because we were just going to release it that way. But then the book comp, the large publishing house, they said they couldn't promote a book that was anonymous, so they made me put my name on it. And you know, the whole idea of the book what? is to is to dismantle any sense of individuality. So we thought, well, we'll just put anonymous, and then nobody will get confused. But then. They That's said, well, so cool. So, so yeah, so even the publishing houses were run by the ego. Okay, uh, so let's talk about that. So I'm going to put a link to the book down below in the notes so everyone can get it. Um, that's amazing. I thought my husband said, he wrote it. I'm like, no, he didn't write it. It says anonymous. Yeah. And he's like, no, I think that's his yeah. book. Now my yeah. husband was right. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, ego. Okay. Well, when people so, call, they can ask for Penelope. When they okay. call that number, and she'll she'll uh, help them get into orientation. They okay, can, they can learn, you know, uh, what we do, and and it's a very simple process. It's awesome. Meditation is key to keeping. It's worked for me, and I'm grateful. So thank you so much, Nick. Thank you, and I will we'll talk soon. Here. I'm sure. Wow. Okay, I know most of you were listening to me. You're seeing my face, going, "Oh my gosh, she has so many questions." I had so many questions. There's just so much to talk about. And the reason I did this today was because I wanted you to have 
just a beginning of what meditation looks like. Nick is a great example of what you can do if you want to reach out to him, learn a little bit more. The minute you stop your mind from getting on that rabbit wheel, is he coming home? Is this happening? That affair partner, this, that, it's just like, ah, it'll make you sick and crazy. And you don't want that. You know, I'm always here to help you. But if you want to get on a meditation course, I would reach out to him or at least get that book. I'm putting it down in the notes. Please make sure you subscribe to me. Please make sure you hit the subscription so you can get all my interviews and whatever else I'm posting and share this with somebody. Share this with anyone that you know that might be struggling because, you know, this world would be a better place if we all stay connected. Thank you so much for supporting my channel. And I am so grateful that you guys keep coming back for more. I'm here. Let me help you support you. Let me help support you in your marriage or whatever else is happening. And I'll see you next time. Thank you.